Welcome to The Real News Network. I'm Paul Jay in Washington. In 2009, Richard Clark gave quite a remarkable interview to two filmmakers who were working on a documentary. John Duffy and Ray Nowazelki interviewed Clark about his relationship with George Tenet and what George Tenet told him about the existence of two suspected at that time Al-Qaeda conspirators in the United States. Here's a little bit of that interview. And it's not as I originally thought, which was that one lowly CIA analyst got this information and didn't somehow recognize the significance of it. No, 50, 50 CIA personnel knew about this. You have to intentionally stop it. You have to intervene and say, no, I don't want that report to go. And I never got a report to that effect. If there was a decision made to stop normal distribution with regard to this, this case, then people like Tom Wilshire would have known that. Here they are in the NSC advisor's office, trying to make their best case possible for action. But in trying to make this persuasive case, they never once mentioned that already two Al-Qaeda terrorists known to be involved in the Kuala Lumpur planning center had entered the United States. Now joining us to talk about the significance of Clark's comments and some of the fallout afterwards are Ray McGovern. Ray served as an Army Infantry Intelligence Officer, then, then as a CIA analyst. He helped write and edit the President's Daily Brief under Nixon and Ford and Reagan. Ray now works for Tell the Word, a ministry of the inner city Washington Church of the Savior, and he joins us from Oakland. And also joining us, Jason Leopold. Jason is an investigative reporter and the deputy managing editor of Truthout. He's also the author of the Los Angeles Times bestseller, News Junkie. He joins us from Los Angeles. Thank you both for joining us. So, Thank you. Great to be here. So, Jason, why, why don't you pick up the narrative here and, and tell us basically what happened in Clark's interview and, and tell us the story and, and a little bit about what you think is the significance of this. Sure. Well, these two filmmakers spoke to Clark back in October of 2009, and uh, they had been basically investigating uh, what happened uh, with regard to two of the hijackers uh, who made their way into the United States uh, in 2000, uh, undetected, apparently, uh, by the various intelligence agencies, even though the CIA had been monitoring uh, one of the key al-Qaeda meetings taking place where 9-11 was discussed uh, in Malaysia. And, uh, you know, over the years we've been hearing about these intelligence failures and the fact that uh, information had not been shared. And, and, and Clark becomes the first high-ranking uh, official who was in a position to know what was happening with regard to al-Qaeda, given his, his background and, and his work in, in tracking you know, some of the uh, uh, suspected terrorists uh, within the organization. And he, had, he, he pointed his finger and said that Lieutenant uh, uh, Rich Blee, a name that has not really been discussed before over the past decade, and uh, Copper Black all knew uh, about these Two hijackers uh, who uh, apparently were on flight uh, 77 that flew into the Pentagon and uh, withheld uh, information and intelligence not only from the FBI 
But Clark said that, the, that, that they more or less lied, Congress and the 9-11 Commission, with regard to specific intelligence information uh, that the CIA had about these two hijackers. So, you know, his comments are explosive, particularly as we come up on the 10th anniversary of 9-11. And really what it does, what Clark is doing, is, is trying to uh, say that, look, this, this is a puzzle that has not been solved. There are still pieces that need to be you know, put together here. And uh, you can tell that Clark has been uh, thinking about this for quite, a, quite some time. I mean, he wrote about this specific uh, uh, event or this specific problem with the intelligence in his book, although he did not name George Tenet, Richard Blee, who was head of the uh, uh, bin Laden unit, Alex within the CIA, for black, he did not point his finger at them. But here he is saying that these guys are responsible. We'll play the clip here. Uh, he's asked directly in the interview if, if this information wasn't passed on to Clark, uh, he, Clark has asked directly, at what level would this half decision have to have been made not to pass it on? And, and Clark's making the point here that he didn't have to pass it on. There should have been an automatic flow of this information. Uh, Clark says there had to have been a specific decision to stop the automatic flow to Clark. And he's asked, at what level is this decision made? So here's a, here's a little clip where he answers that question. He had full range of opportunity to alert you. He did, but he wouldn't have to, because unless somebody intervened to stop the normal automatic distribution, mm -hmm. I would automatically get it. For me, to this day, it is inexplicable why, when I had every other detail about everything related to terrorism, that the director didn't tell me, that the director of the counterterrorism center didn't tell me, that the other 48 people in CIA who knew about it never mentioned it to me or anyone in my staff in a period of over 12 months. They were stopped from getting to you and stopped from getting to the White House then. And stopped from getting to the FBI and the Defense Department. We therefore conclude that there was a high-level decision in the CIA ordering people not to share that information. How high-level? I would think it would have to be made by the director. You gotta understand, my relationship with him, we were close friends. He called me several times a day. We shared the most trivial of information with each other. There was not a lack of information sharing. They told us everything except this. So just to, just to continue with the narrative a bit, uh, what happens next? Clark says this, it goes public, this interview, even though the interview's done in 2009, this goes public just right. the beginning of August, just just passed, and then of course Tenet and, and the other his two colleagues deny all this. So to explain what happens there. Yeah, basically the you know, the two filmmakers had uh, uh, contacted Tenet, uh, Culper Black, and uh, Richard Blee. Again, this is a Richard Blee is an important name. It's not somebody who has been out there before. Uh, they vehemently denied. Uh, you know, any of the suggestions that Clark had made about what they knew and when they knew it uh, attacked Clark, said that uh, they, he more or less did not know what he was, you know, what he's talking about, and that they testified truthfully. Uh, and, you know, the problem is, is that uh, we, don't, we actually don't have much of the information from the 9-11 Commission, uh, and, and I'm talking about the congressional 
uh, investigative committee uh, that looked into this. A lot of those documents are still classified and have yet to be released. So they you know, they went after him. They attacked him for it. And uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's uh, it, 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 it's a uh, an assertion, an allegation, a claim that Clark made that really should be uh, a, a topic of uh, of discussion. Ray, what's your take? There has been very little in mainstream media reporting on this, which is rather strange given that Clark is a mainstream player. He's not a marginal guy in all of this. It's truly mind-boggling that the uh, fawning corporate media, which is my term for the quote, mainstream media, end quote, has been able to avoid this story. After all, you have a principal advisor to President Bush accusing the head of CIA of, uh, of their election of duty at the very least and saying that had he done his job, 9-11 might have been prevented. At least the plane might have been prevented from going into the Pentagon, which was the plane that these two uh, Al-Qaeda operatives uh, were on. Now, Tennant knew that they were in country for over a year, but never saw fit to tell Clark. Clark makes the point that uh, he, he was uh, in receipt of just everything from Tennant and that it would have taken personal intervention on the part of Tennant to prevent him from getting the normal dissemination of that information. It was not, as Clark says, as I had already thought, says Clark, that it was just one miscreant or one uh, lazy analyst in the CIA who didn't think, think to, to uh, forward this on to the people who needed it. No, it was 50. Five zeros, says Clark, and among them, George Tennant. So in many respects, it, it boils down to a contest between George Tennant, who in my view has zero credibility, and Richard Clark, who in my view has a great deal of credibility. When Tennant, through his spokesman, says, now wait a second, we swore, we swore under oath on this. Well, <laughs> you know, that makes me laugh if it wasn't so, if it was really funny, but under oath, and had perjured himself before the 9-11 Commission by saying that he wasn't in touch with President Bush for the entire month of August, even by telephone. That was a lie, and later that evening, one of his henchmen called the 9-11 Commission and said, oh, uh, the director misspoke. Uh, when you swear under oath and then you don't tell the truth, uh, you don't have any credibility left with me, and Clark has a great deal of credibility. I haven't caught him in any lies yet. Jason, uh, Clark sort of speculates why he thinks Tennant did all this. Uh, here's a little bit of what Clark says. I can understand them possibly saying, we need to develop sources inside Al-Qaeda. When we do that, we can't tell anybody about it. And I can understand them perhaps seeing these two guys show up in the United States and thinking, aha, this is our chance to flip them. This is our chance to get guys inside Al-Qaeda. And to do that, we can't tell anybody outside CIA until we got them, until they're really giving us information. So Jason, what do you, what do you make of that? It's, I mean, it's just a speculation on Clark's part of why Tennant did this. Uh, do you, do you, do you, what do you think of the theory? I, I, you know, first of all, it's a theory that has been floated for quite a while. I mean, it, it's a theory that the FBI, many FBI uh, uh, agents who were working uh, with the CIA on uh, Al-Qaeda, tracking bin Laden, uh, they feel the same way. In fact, 
you know, uh, Lawrence Rice, The Looming Tower, uh, amazing book on, uh, on the whole history of uh, al-Qaeda leading up to 9-11, he actually said that, the, you know, in his conversations, in his interviews with, with many, many uh, FBI uh, agents, uh, specifically on this particular piece of intelligence revolving around these two hijackers, that they felt that the CIA withheld this information from the FBI because they were trying to recruit and flip uh, these two uh, agents. And I suspect that, you know, Richard Clark spent a great deal of time thinking about this uh, over the years, and perhaps Richard Clark has some, you know, additional information that he could not share. Uh, but, you know, I, I doubt it's just something, you know, off the cuff as, as some sort of, uh, uh, he threw it out there. Uh, he has thought about it. He wrote about it, as I indicated, in his book as well. So uh, it, it, right now it takes on just a, a you know, new um, urgency because we're approaching the 10th anniversary of 9-11 because now we're starting to see the mainstream media covering a little bit more about the intelligence failures, why they have not done it over the course of the past decade. I don't have the answer to that. But we're starting to see these, uh, you know, these issues become relevant yeah, and they're, they're clearly important, and questions only uh, to be asked and answered. Right. Ray, Ray if, if you look at the different fronts of this, and I'm just, just to mention a few, there's, there's this one where Tennant doesn't tell Clark about these two guys in the United States. There's the actual demotion of Clark in the first place. So Clark is in the principal meetings under Clinton because Clinton's administration believes that terrorism, and specifically bin Laden and al-Qaeda, is the number one threat to the United States. Tennant later tells uh, Congress, and I believe he's, he's written it el elsewhere, that in his first security briefing to Bush, he says the number one threat to the United States is uh, bin Laden and al-Qaeda. Yet they demote Clark, he's not in the principal's meeting, and then he uh, testifies in 9-11, even though his hair's on fire the whole summer of uh, 2001, trying to tell Condoleezza Rice and get to the principals about what's happening, he can't get their attention. Colleen Rowley and the FBI says the FBI was essentially told the administration's not interested in, all, in terrorism and all of this. I mean, there, there seemed to be, a, is there not a pattern here of a culture at the very least of not wanting to know and perhaps something more? Well, not wanting to know at least, uh, mostly because they had other priorities. I mean, after all, terrorism was at the bottom of Ashcroft's list as Justice Department head. And uh, there are all kinds of things going on, like uh, anti-ballistic missile defense. That's what Condoleezza Rice was going to talk about at a major address on 9-11, ironically. So uh, the truth is that Richard Clark, despite his badgering, despite his insistence, was never able, was never able to uh, get a principal's meeting on this subject. Principal meeting, meeting the, the, the leaders of our national security apparatus. Not until September 4th. Uh, 2001. So September 4th, towards that 7, that's a week before 9-11. Now what happened there? Well, the CIA, apparently to cover their rear ends, had already shared some information on these two fellows, these Al-Mindar and the other Al-Hazmi, uh, with the FBI at a very low level. But Tenet never raises, never raises it on the 4th of September, and Clark really falls for that, because had he raised it, as Clark says, those two people would have been toast. They would have been wrapped up in 24 hours. 
certainly they would not have been able to get on the American Airlines 77 flight that hit the Pentagon, and the whole thing could have been unraveled. Ray, how does Ashcroft not in, be interested in terrorism when the FBI says the number one man on the 10 most wanted list is bin Laden? How can you not be interested in that? Well, uh, if you're incompetent and if you don't know what's important and if you're, you're serving other interests, uh, and you think that the terrorism is just a, a problem that's magnified by Richard Clark and only by Richard Clark and some of his minions like Tenet, then you can be completely divorced from reality. That's how I see it. These people were incredibly incompetent. They didn't want to listen. They didn't. And we know what happened. Uh, Jason, uh, you know, given what we know of the, you know, a lot of people have talked about the project for the new American century and this you know, this famous line, people talk about the need for a new Pearl Harbor. And there's been a lot of, you know, uh, talk about the possibility, at least, on the, on the spectrum of various conspiracy theories, that, that at least at some level, uh, if they knew something was coming, somebody in the administration didn't want anything done about it. I mean, do you see enough of a pattern here that at the very least this uh, cries out for some kind of real investigation uh, based on this hypothesis rather than just negligence and incompetence? Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, I, I think it's worth looking into it. Uh, I personally have, you know, have not seen any evidence uh, that would suggest uh, that the conspiracy theories are actually you know, the fact. Uh, I think that there are a lot of that need to be answered specifically based on what Clark is saying. Look, What's really important to know about these two specific hijackers as well is that they weren't even put on a no-fly list. They had, uh, you know, the, the intelligence uh, agencies, or at least the CIA, they, they knew that one of them had um, already had obtained a visa for, you know, for traveling back and forth. Uh, you know, the State Department was not alerted. They, they, they were allowed to enter the United States. Uh, when one of the liaisons, the, uh, who was working, the FBI agent uh, working with the CIA, wanted to alert others uh, at the FBI about this, but the CIA you know, said, no, you, you, you cannot alert them. Uh, this information has to stay here. So you start to take a look at that, and sure, it does suggest that perhaps something uh, larger uh, was going on. None of these pieces on their own maybe say that, but when you look at the Iron Man story, which you ran on Truth Out, I mean, you co-authored on Truth Out, um, you have, a, you have a, a Joint Force Intelligence Committee saying, according to the whistleblower Iron Man, that pre-9-11 they had actually said and even predicted that if there was an attack it would be on the World, World Trade Center, one tower might collapse into the other, the Pentagon was the other target, the, the attack could come by air. I mean, the fact that, in theory, that gets closed down by one of the senior people there, mayors. I mean, you put all these different pieces together, there's a bit of a smoking gun here, is there not? There absolutely is. And in that story on the Joint Forces Intelligence Committee and the work that this uh, asymmetric, uh, uh, asymmetrical warfare unit was, uh, uh, was doing, uh, particularly on Al-Qaeda, and the briefing slides that they had, uh, in which they were showing that the likely targets were the Pentagon and, uh, and the World Trade Center. Uh, sure, it, it does um, uh, raise a lot of questions and, and does uh, certainly uh, beg for further investigation. Uh, 
uh, you know, for me personally, I, I, I would I have to see, you know, additional evidence to show that, hey, they uh, high level administration officials, government officials uh, knew this was actually happening and, and basically sat back and allowed it to happen. I think that Clark actually went that far, though. I think Clark did say that George Tenet, Rich Blee, Kofor Black, and others allowed the attack to happen. Clark specifically noted that information been uh, uh, disseminated during the principal's meeting, he would have immediately uh, uh, requested and, and demanded an investigation. And, and it's, uh, you know, he also says that, look, you know, the CIA to, to protect itself, a tenant perhaps to protect his own rear, um, more or less allowed this to happen. And, and I think Clark did go that far. Ray, uh, what do you make of this? Is there a pattern here of something more? Or does, at the least, is this question a question for you? Well, first off, when you have the uh, two co-chairs of the 9-11 Commission saying in their book, we were set up to fail, we're not given enough time, enough money, enough people, enough access to sensitive information, well, hello, <laughs> who will quarrel with the notion that an independent investigation is necessary to address precisely the things that you and Jason were just talking about. On the other hand, you know, people come to me and they say, well, don't you think Dick Cheney is capable of arranging this kind of inside job? And I say, I believe Dick Cheney is capable of that. But I don't do faith-based intelligence, okay? It doesn't matter what I believe. It's what I see in the way of empirical evidence. And the empirical evidence is all kind of all over the, the lot. And I have not been able to put it together in such a way as to convince me that uh, there's something really sinister other than gross incompetence, misfeasance, a little malfeasance, but no uh, coherent uh, plot to let happen. Now, that could come out of an independent commission. I'm willing to, I'm open, I'm willing to be persuaded, but right now, faith-based intelligence is not what I do. Okay, final word to you, Jason. There's been a lot of discussion that this was an intelligence failure. Based on what we know, based on what Clark has shown us, what he has suggested, and what we've seen, this wasn't an intelligence failure because they had, they had the intelligence. This was a, a, a matter of withholding that intelligence. And it's that, you know, the reason behind that uh, is what we still need to understand why that was. So it was not a failure that they weren't able to obtain the information. They had it. They had it in their hands. They knew uh, specifically what was going to happen. But the other question as to why it was not shared, uh, those are some of the issues that we really need to look into. All right, thanks. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Jason. And thank you for joining us on The Real News Network. And you can read more about all of this at uh, Jason's website, Truthout. And uh, also on our site, we're going to show the whole Richard Clark interview. And the filmmakers have a website which we will link to, which gives more documentation uh, connected with the whole Clark interview. So once again, thank you for joining us on The Real News Network. And don't forget the donate button over here, because if you don't do that, we can't do this.